The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone, and a special shout-out to my good friend, Yoshiko Dart. You know I love you this year. We are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, a bill that caused freedom for all of us living with disabilities. You all remember me. I'm living with epilepsy. So I am very excited about the show today. You know what? In the 12 years I've been on, we have never had a show like this, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited. Um, We have someone on this show today I met recently, and I must tell you I was impressed with him from the moment that I met him. He has, like me, he's on a crusade. He has a lot of passion for what he's doing. He is just a really good person. Welcome to the show, Daniel Bull, the founder of Zero Six Eight. Hi, Joyce. Thank you for having me. Hey, Daniel. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, but for our listeners, since I just missed it, what is Zero Six Eight? Well, um, on the surface, uh, we're an incubator of ideas. Um, we uh, invest uh, our time and resources into um, worthy uh, businesses that uh, we think are innovative or just in general good uh, uh, cash flow ideas that can help people either raise themselves up from uh, poverty or uh, improve their situation, give them a little bit of independence. Uh, the catch is that every single one of our entrepreneurs are felons, ex-offenders. Um, so in reality, I guess uh, what we are is a community uh, propping up and giving a hand up to uh, those who have lost a community. So in other words... You are really, you're just an incubation, um, but you're an incubation for felons that are trying to start their own business. Is that correct? Exactly. Right. How long has 068 been in existence? We formed in officially in September of 2013. 2013. So, what gave you the passion, and maybe a good way to explain that would be if you, like me, you're on a crusade for a reason. Um, How about if you share your story with our listeners, um, your felony, and how this all happened? Well, I uh, would be happy to. Um, This is the first thing we talk about and teach at 068. Uh, We don't jump into the business uh, we don't jump into all these wonderfully exciting things that everyone wants to talk about, such as uh, becoming uh, financially independent. What we actually talk about is the past. 
Um, it's very, very important. And so I do that uh, through example. Uh, my past, uh, I'm not defined just by uh, mistakes I've made. I, I, I have a wonderful history. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones in that I was raised um, in an upper, upper middle-class suburban Christian home. Uh, my mother, a psychologist. Uh, my father, a physician. So at any given time during the day, I was being somehow practiced on um, <laughs> by them uh, as they raised me up um, to have good manners, um, to be polite, to uh, be concerned with my grades, uh, things such as that. So not the, uh, what people would expect from someone who uh, now has a felony. Um, I excelled in school, uh, went to uh, several private schools until I graduated and decided to uh, stick with the private atmosphere and attended Grove City College in uh, northern western Pennsylvania. There I uh, got a mechanical engineering degree and also the first um, taste of success in entrepreneurship. I entered a business competition with a senior project of mine uh, meant to train students in thermodynamics. So we're getting really geeky now um, into things that excite me in science. And I came first place in that business competition, which came with money, uh, but uh, status and doors opened. Um, I immediately knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted not to work for engineering firms. I, I wanted to be a, an entrepreneur. And uh, even though I had a day job working for engineering firms, I uh, proceeded to build uh, my device, uh, perfect it, and take it to market. And it was hard, really hard, uh, too hard. And um, when uh, it push came to shove and an offer came to take it off of my hands for a small amount of money, I accepted that. And I was disappointed, but everyone around me uh, started uh, labeling me as what was called a cashed-out entrepreneur. And that opened up a whole other level of opportunities and uh, uh, doors into some pretty exclusive clubs, so to speak, and I became addicted to the accolades. I became addicted to those who were uh, surrounding me with this belief that by being my friend, asking me for advice, it was going to somehow translate into their own success. Them, of course, having no idea that uh, what they thought was a major success was really uh, nothing to speak much about. And uh, that was the compromise. The first compromise was not clarifying and speaking truth into the situation. It was allowing others to build a mystique around me that I was uh, wealthier than I really was. I was more successful than I really was. And I continued that uh, charade on into my next business, um, going through the venture capital world after I had my quote exit, my cash out. I, uh, knew I wanted to be a part of the investment scene. I wanted to um, be a part of all these serious dollars I saw, saw going back and forth between the firms and the private angel investors. And, and I wanted to be in that action. And I started a business called Venture Advisors. And in that, uh, I got the appropriate licenses with the SEC and FINRA, became an advisor, started managing wealth, um, selling insurance products to companies, and um, found myself right in the middle. And the accolades still kept coming in because I had built this uh, charade of uh, success. But uh, when, when, like everyone knows what's coming, when you build something on lies, they will come crumbling down, like building a foundation on sand. And when the finances, when we started spending more than what we were making, 
I couldn't bring myself to admit and finally come clean on the truth that uh, I wasn't who I, people thought I was. I wasn't as smart as people uh, gave me credit. And instead of letting people, laying people off, I started stealing money from those who entrusted it to me. And uh, the official term was misappropriation of funds, but it was stealing. And that lasted a very short period of time. I couldn't uh, live with myself. I could, couldn't even show my face up to work what had happened. Um, and when you don't keep the lie going, that's when it starts coming down. And very quickly, uh, the, the, the red flags started uh, shooting up in the office. Um, and a family member of mine, in fact, um, wrote a letter to the SEC saying, something's not right with my account. Please look into it. And that started the snowball rolling of eventually uh, pleading guilty um, to the charges of of mail fraud and being sentenced. Well, Daniel, obviously that is amazing that you're able to talk about this. Um, One question I have is that uh, how hard is it for you to talk about it? I mean, right now, you just talked about it to everyone across the country, so, you know, I give you accolades for that, but is it hard for you to do this or or not? It's embarrassing. Um, The more you talk about anything, uh, the more vulnerable you make yourself to the more amount of people, it does become easier. Um, but there's always the, the doubt, even waiting uh, for your show to begin, uh, accepting the invite uh, uh, to, to be on. It, it plays the, the games of, is this going to, to send it overboard? Or, or am I going to receive uh, you know, more uh, hate mail or, or, or judgmental uh, thoughts? Um, and what's important is not about what others think. It's what you have to do is, is what is right and stand up for what is true. We speak this into all of our entrepreneurs. And people who respect and understand the value of such a hard truth to tell will rally around you. And the others continue to care because maybe they just take more time. I experience that personally. Um, there has been a tremendous amount of healing um, through my, since my release and through the pursuit of 068 and helping others that's happened internally with my network and family, but there's still those. It's going to take a little more time. People process their, their grief, their loss of friendship, their loss of trust uh, differently, but what you can't do, and I'm speaking in you know, third person, what you can't do is allow that to affect your stance on you're going to speak the truth and you're going you're to speak healing, literally, Every day you share your story into your life. Well, you know what? I don't know how it is around here, but I have uh, a question that just came through from Mary in Florida. And here it is. Daniel, thank you so much for what you're doing. I think you are a giant. There are so many uh, family members that live in fear because of how they'll be judged uh, I, I only hope there will be more people like you. Thank you. Oh, that was very kind. Thank you. So, there you go. It's obviously true that one person can make a difference uh, just by having the courage to get out there and to speak. So, I know 
as you mentioned, this is hard for you, but I also know that you did go up to people that you had stole from and talk to them. Um, but in addition, like when you met me, no matter who you meet, you start with, you need to know that I'm a felon. Um, what in the heck is giving you the strength to do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's so kind. Uh, you're, you're, I feel like I'm being flattered. Um, it's, the, the strength really, it's, it, it's a wise decision. Um, if you allow that something like that that others see as um, being very, very vital to the creation of any relationship to go too long without being said, they will feel lied to whether or not there was ever a real lie. Because you start building, the moment you meet someone, these preconceived notions of who they are. And um, something like this uh, can remain hidden fairly long unless someone decides to Google or research um, who you are. And so um, the traditional way to deal with having a felony is to keep it secret. But our times are changing. And you cannot just move across country and start a new life uh, successfully. Usually it catches up because information is now being shared um, differently. So I had alternative reasons when I approached you and said, I am a felon. Because when I listened to you speak, and I believe it was when you spoke at uh, Q Commons, you spoke about the pressures and the unreasonable treatment and the struggles and barriers that people with disabilities face. And I immediately, what I recognized was some similarities with those with felonies. And, we, and I termed it as a social disability. Um, because when you check a box in an employment contract that you're a felon, often you are eliminated from the pool before you've been given the opportunity um, to speak. And it, it, it was this... So when I approached you, it was on that aspect that, you know, I am a felon. Let's talk about these similarities because I knew there was uh, power in you being up there, preaching about your epilepsy, which is a very private matter. Um, and, and, and so you've seen the same. And uh, so we've sort of uh, I've learned from your example, but as well as just the example that if you're direct immediately, people's ears open and they give you that opportunity uh, to listen or the bridge oh, can that, be and forever. it's so great what you're doing. But right now, folks, we've got to go to break, uh, and then we'll be back in a couple minutes. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Daniel. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display 
their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. If you just joined us, we are talking to Daniel Bull, the founder of 068, a real crusader for people that have left prison who have a felony uh, that are trying to find freedom, not just in employment, but really quality of life. And just like people with disabilities, let me tell you, there's a stigma and with uh someone that had a felony, there is not only a stigma, but a judgmental presumption right from the beginning of what this person is like uh, that Daniel is trying to change. And Daniel, you were in Elkton Prison in Ohio, and and I know that's a federal penitentiary. Uh, When you first, I mean, this had to be a shock. I can't even imagine how shocked I would be when I first uh, went in, you know, into the, when I was first incarcerated, um, how did you feel when you, when this first happened? And what was the hardest thing for you? Well, um, wow, what a, uh, let's go down memory lane. (laughs) Um, It it happens in stages, uh, the things that are harder at that point in time. I remember, um, I was granted permission to self-report to prison. So I remember driving with my family, my mother and my sister, who were one of the few left in my corner after I had hurt and burned so many bridges, who, who drove me to prison. So I remember the drive. I remember stopping at a gas station knowing that in a few miles I was going to go some, to some place I had absolutely no idea, other than the Hollywood preconceived notions of what I was getting into. And so there was a bit of shock and surrealism that uh, I was going through and fear. Um, and uh, that fear created more fear because I knew I shouldn't be showing fear. <laughs> so um, when I reported, uh, I was, um, and I won't go into every detail, but I was, uh, I was ushered into a holding cell where I was completely alone and all the things that uh, were worldly were taken from me. And the first feeling was anxiety because no longer was there a phone or an ability to communicate, I realized that 
if I needed help right now, I, don't, I, I didn't know how to find it. And we're so used to having the access to go get help, get information. Um, it was this, I had to suppress this feeling of anxiety that um, I'm here. There's nobody that needs me right now. I don't have an appointment. I am just here. And I'm on this ride. Um, and then uh, there was the, you know, being introduced to circulation uh, with the other inmates, having no idea, uh, no coaching, no counseling. It was just into the yard and with a bag and uh, basically clear indicators that I was new and uh, not knowing. But um, this is where the inspiration for the name 068 comes from. Um, on me, not knowing this at the time, I had an identifier that people were judging me from, um, delegating where I was going to uh, go and walk and who to hang out with, and it was a number. And on my chest was a number on the uniform of 33061, and then the last three digits, 068. And those last three digits meant not anything about my crime or anything like that. It meant where I was from, and it meant that I was from western Pennsylvania, the city of Pittsburgh. And it started a process of people seeking me out, whether it be to protect, um, to support me, or maybe some who wanted to con. Um, but it was a, it was a, a declarer, and um, it ended up that uh, there were some very positive people uh, that identified with that number zero six eight that I could surround myself and, and be safe. Um, but it was um, absolutely uh, just a challenge each step of the way. Um, to, to lose those things you just hold dear. And uh, the one thing I'll add is, um, you know, what the hardest part was, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the, you know, losing all the things that were worldly. Those are stripped away very quickly. And you realize how just absolutely insignificant they are, the clothes you wear, the watches, the cars. Um, when those things are taken and your freedom is gone, your independence is gone, you immediately can isolate, wow, the things that are really, really important in life. And, of course, that's um, family, independence, privacy, um, the American dream, the right to pursue happiness. Um, when those things are taken away, it is quite the shock to the system. And the fear is that, will it always be like this? Will I ever get out? Which is why I don't think people could possibly envision how horrific it would be to have life in prison. I, I've, met, um, I, I've met those people um, that uh, have maybe not the official until you die, but so many years that they will. And um, it's... Uh, it's traumatizing to watch. Uh, just 10 years in prison, and with many people who had spent 10 and maybe had 10 left, um, just you could see the, the life, uh, the despair, and how it had uh, deteriorated. And there's terms in prison for it. They call it burned out, um, where they have, it seems, have kind of become introverted from a personality that may not be uh, introverted or become hopeless from a personality that was once very la laughing and jovial and hopeful. You, there, it's a, and you be, it just becomes this pattern each day, and it's, uh, it's hard to uh, find significance in that life, and we all want significance. 
And you know what? That's a good lesson to learn, isn't it? You know, I always say a situation like that, okay, or when you have a terminal illness, all of a sudden those things you used to think were problems, like you'd give anything to have those problems back. Yeah. You know, worrying about weight or a problem, uh, you know, with your car or whatever it would be. All, or, you know, or even I wish I had more money to have a bigger house. All of a sudden you would like trade any of those problems in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, here second. we go. We have a question from Daniel, another Daniel, how about that, in New York. And the question is, um, I have a question. Do you speak at different events? Do I what? I'm sorry. Do you speak at different events? In other words, I, um, are you a speaker? Do you go around the country speaking? Um, I've started, uh, I'm going to be speaking at an event um, in Pittsburgh on June 26th called Failure Lab, which is an awareness uh, campaign for the exact same topic uh, we're speaking about today. Um, I'll be speaking in September at Q Commons um, in Pittsburgh, and I've been invited in a couple other places that aren't official uh, around Auburn, New York, or so on. I'm I do, and uh, I'm happy to speak or educate on this topic uh, as long as I can afford the uh, plane ticket. <laughs> well, if you speak at a conference or an event, you know, they would be bringing you in, and I would say that he would be an absolutely great speaker. On, because, you know, how many people in the United States are doing this? I mean, if there is a handful, I would be shocked. Um, and you mentioned, though, I want to get back to this. You mentioned that you um, met when you talked to me that you saw people with disabilities in prison, which I know very well because there's this woman that I work with um, that works with people who are uh, deaf in prison. Uh, did you see this? Did you see people with disabilities? And what was it like for them? I did. And it's a- it's what you would expect. It's harder. Um, and then the unfortunate thing is it's in an environment where um, people are so focused on themselves internally that there are the select few that will look out for someone um, where, it's, it, where there isn't something to get back in return. Um, the, I've, I've uh, seen those who are deaf, uh, those who are blind. Um, while I was in prison, um, there, of course, is... A, a greater danger um, because they're less likely to be able to protect themselves. Uh, there's uh, even the unfortunate thing is I've witnessed um, a little bit more reprimanding um, from um, prison uh, guards, uh, correction officers, uh, because they didn't hear the you know, sirens to change locations or to get up out of their bunk for counts. Um, and it just goes on. It's, it, I, can, I, I can only imagine because to understand how hard it was for me personally, on, on whether it be going into prison or re-entering into society um, without any of those uh, barriers, to have those just adds to the anxiety, adds to the stress, adds to the trauma, um, and maybe even uh, the isolation and how long it takes to repair and heal after. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine either. Uh, so once again... 
Hopefully you'll be able to do something about that. But right now, how in the heck is this show going so fast? I don't know. But we're getting ready to go to break. Hey, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Daniel Bull, who is the founder of 068. Don't miss don't miss the rest of this show. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Daniel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. We're talking to Daniel Bull, the founder of 068, who is talking about really quality of life for people after they have left prison and are trying to find employment and just as I said, a quality of life. Uh, Daniel, you said earlier in the show that you met, uh, you met a lot of wonderful people and talented people in prison. Uh, what do they do while they're attempting employment? What, like, do, they, what do they deal with when they're in what prison? What do they deal with? Well, um, they deal with the same thing as everyone else, right? That's the first part, and it's hard already. I mean, uh, you talk to people going through trying to find a new career or job or any job, uh, it's hard. Um, but uh, what they deal with is that fear. We've mentioned a couple times this fear of being found out, this fear of being judged, not given uh, a chance because of 
this felony they can now do nothing about. Uh, so atta- obtaining employment is difficult for anyone. It's a competition. Uh, an individual's qualities are weighed against the competition, uh, their likability, their qualifications, the referrals they've had. Well, now you're a felon. And most likely, uh, the referrals that you could have once had, those bridges are burned. Those people are fearful. Do they want to put their reputation on the line for you? Um, why? And this kind of goes back to the very beginning of this uh, talk we've had, Joyce, where I encourage people to mend bridges, to seek out those that they have hurt. Um, and, and it's not just because of what you get back. It's because of the confidence that builds, um, the respect that builds. Uh, people are watching and they're watching all the time. But you're going for this job, you're going for these interviews. Often, and we've uh, spoken about this before, is often on the application you have to check a box, whether you have a felony or not. And again, before you can just stand up and even have the opportunity to explain, um, you're eliminated. And um, the, these, these things um, create the situation where we are today uh, where the average length of unemployment for someone um, re-entering into society out of prison is over a year. And we're not talking about you know, sustainable, um, productive employment. We're talking about any form of employment possible where they can start a uh, career living. And you, you, when you enter society broke, penny, well, penniless, um, it, 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 you, you see the effect. And uh, what ends up happening is it causes this... Everyone talks about about this recidivism cycle where someone's getting out of jail, but they're going right back. The average is over 70% go right back within four years. And, and what's causing that? It's, a lot of things are causing that, a lot of different uh, social and economic and personal issues. But there are some which, you know, it, it's a hero's journey. And I tell them when I meet them for the first time before even I've accepted them into the 068 program is I encourage to in, ed, for them to educate and invest in themselves because the journey they are on to reentry, I don't care who you are or what you have done, is a hero's one because the statistics even say most will fail. Most will fail. Few are going to get to the end. And, and, that's, and that's the problem. And wow. So when you like say gun. someone they're in prison now, you know they're back in the world. What, there's no help given to them, right? I mean, if if they don't have a place to live, wh- what happens? Well, it all depends. So uh, our, the, the federal system right now has a halfway house program in place where a portion of their release time, which is their uh, or their sentence time, is at a location where they are. Well, half in prison and half on the street. And, and they go to these facilities, um, sometimes non-for-profit, sometimes for-profit uh, businesses that house these inmates um, in which they are required to um, get a job and uh, basically pay their rent. Uh, the halfway houses will take uh, about 20% to 25% of the paycheck um, that they make off the top, and that will pay for their room and board. Uh, the penalty for not finding employment, or at least not uh, in their eyes attempting in a reasonable way to obtain it, um, will send them back to prison. Um, and it, this is the support. Now, when the sentence term is over, you then transition onto probation if the judge has actually sentenced uh, supervised release, which is the typical is about three years. And in that supervised release, then you are, yes, 
you are homeless, um, you go to shelters, or you might have a family willing to take you in, or your family still existing in your life. It's all varying. And the only requirement of probation is that you're not committing criminal activity. Um, now, probation officers range in many different levels, and there are some who are not as helpful and some who are. And I like to um, align myself with those who go above and beyond to try to, to help in the circumstance, the situations that we need, is the, the life necessities, food, shelter, clothing. Um, but it's not their job. It's not their requirement. They're just to ensure that you're not a danger to others. Um, you're, and for many who have burned all these bridges, who have lost community and may have all good intentions, um, there's nothing. There's nothing for them. Wow. Hey, um, I have a question here from Tony in Kansas, and the question is, uh, Daniel, how much of a difference do you think it makes when prisoners have people that go visit them regularly versus prisoners that have no one coming to see them? I forget the name of the organization, but in Elkton there was an organization of volunteers who visited inmates who didn't get visits. And um, it was was volunteer, there was a background check. And um, one of my cellmates uh, for a lengthy period of time uh, was one of the recipients of these visits. And it was really weird, he said, the first time. He said, I have this person I've never met and I'm going to meet her, and she's coming to see me. Um, and I watched the, I've, I got to see firsthand the, the difference in, in his life. And what it was, was this needed break from the, whether it be violence, the mundane of the everyday. It was this person investing their time into him, and you saw it reflect um, throughout the week or even maybe, um, the months. So what difference that makes on the exit? People need people throughout life. We are, we are social creatures. And um, we need love and we need acceptance at different varying degrees. But um, a visit in prison definitely makes that transition and maybe the desire to focus your efforts on more positive things, self-learning, uh, reading rather than going out and playing board games or watching TV all day. Uh, those visits can promote uh, activities inside that could lead to a better uh, reentry. Um, I, I certainly believe in that. But at reentry, you, you, you still need community. You still need someone there. And when you're alone, you'll reach out to anything. And if anything is the only people you meet in halfway house who maybe aren't doing positive things or have positive influences around them, the unfortunate thing is Rather than the, be alone, that's the direction you go. And so, you know, that's what 068, it's, it's, it's a community of those doing positive things, investing in themselves and each other, lifting one another up through the similar experience of loss of freedom, incarceration. Right. And still contact with the real world. Yeah. I would think that's helpful. Um, so, as people are listening to the show right now, Daniel, number one, how do you get funding for 068, and how could someone help? Awareness 
is the absolute number one way someone could help 068 or any other program out there. A conversation about this problem of mass incarceration, 2.1 million people currently in jail, 77% going back when they're released. Big numbers, big problems. Awareness of it is the absolute number one way. Now, for 068, we are supported through a different community, an overarching sort of second onion, <laughs> a, a, a community of advisors, uh, business professionals, um, mentors, people that don't have criminal backgrounds but have s- decided this is a worthy cause, worthy of their time, and they're going to um, spend their time uh, mentoring and being on the boards or advising um, our portfolio companies. We have teachers who are lining up and we're starting a, an actual learning curriculum um, in October, that's entrepreneurial-based, but also just life skill-based, all the way down to the etiquette in the ways you eat a meal <laughs> at a business meeting or, or whatnot. And uh, we have labor forces and employers in uh, construction who are aligning under a program called per- Work Pittsburgh who are teaching trades, um, carpentry, uh, electri- electrical, plumbing, masonry, um, to those who have raised their hand and said, this is absolutely something I would love to pursue as a, um, as a career. So giving of their time, 068 does not raise funds, actual money. We, we seek community and partnerships and collaboration. Um, we use facilities that are donated for free for our, our meetings or our classes. Um, we allow the teachers to donate their time. Um, now the investments ended up, end up coming down the road where we decide in particular certain startups might need some further support. They actually require an infusion. Um, we use a prototyping company based in Delaware, Solidified Inc., who, who provides that engineering or design type of services. We have programmers in Carnegie Mellon provide maybe Internet or e-commerce. But if you see, this, all this is is a community of giving. Uh, but of time and resources and education, uh, not necessarily when I say resources, I don't mean uh, dollars. Um, and uh, here's the catch. I, the, the founder of 068, am a felon, and I was charged under a financial crime. And we call these bad actors. And so bad actors aren't permitted to raise private investment dollars and things to that nature. But um, that will change when 068 is given its non-for-profit status and we'll be able to partner a little bit more in a financial way with foundations and so on. So right now it's just people's time. Was that was that confusing? Did I do an okay job? No, no. That is, uh, that is very clear and uh, a great way that people can help. That's uh, excellent. Well, Daniel, you know what I call you? Daniel in the lion's den. You were definitely in the lion's den, but you made it. You survived, uh, which means you must have a role model, someone that inspired you or that gave you this strength to make it. Uh, who? Who was your role model? Well, there's the number one role model, and it, it is that of Christ. Um, you know, he came to save those like me, lost and found. Um, if you study the prodigal son, as I have under my circumstances, it, it might as well be a story of me. 
Um, and, and that is certainly my, my, my spiritual role model. And um, I have earthly role models here that I also um, am just shocked and awed by. Um, and, and one would be a, a friend in which he was the greatest loser, <laughs> for lack of a better term, from my crime. And when I reached out to him to give him the opportunity to be heard, to be mad at me, to, to have closure, after I was released, when I reached out and I said, I want to meet you and I want to, I want to grant you this ability just to be heard, because uh, many of my victims uh, didn't have that opportunity. When I saw him for the first time, and I was terrified, he embraced me, asked how I was, was, was glad that I was on the mend. All these things, which I didn't expect, absolutely could not have predicted. Um, and later, when we met more, offered me employment. Um, so that, what that is, is just the same evidence and living out that of Christ and uh, you know, those commandments. And I'm, I'm shocked by it because I can only be realistic and honest to the audience. And that is if I, if the, if the shoe was on my foot, if it was different, someone had stolen from me, someone had lied to me over maybe years, um, embarrassed me to the extent that I had pushed some people, um, would I have been able to embrace the same way? I don't think I could have. And so that maybe pushes me more than anything to be uh, better than I can really be. And that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I'm feeling actually a little emotional to even talking about that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, first of all, you know, Jesus' whole mission was reaching out to the least of these. And people that are judgmental and hypocritical and, you know, right-wing and, you know, I tell them, wait, have you read the Bible? Because, you know, it's all about love and giving back and not judging. So I can see why that. And what is the first name of this person that hired you? Gino. Pardon me? Gino. Gino, Okay. Gino, if you're listening now, or remember, everyone, this show is archived. So tomorrow you'll be able to go to my website at BenderConsult.com and hear this show. And boy, Daniel, you know, it was on last week, the Secretary of Labor, who reports to President Obama. So, like, you're in with good company. Anyway, Gino, I just want to say, to me, you are a champion. I don't know if I know very many people like you that would do what you did. So, you know, my hat's off to you. You are absolutely a great person. And I I just want to say that on the air because few people would do what he did. Well, Daniel, you have accomplished so much since you left prison. Look what you've already done. You have this organization, you're reaching out to people, you have a job. As I recall, you had a problem with your wife and you're reunited. So many things, good things, have happened in a short time period. But of everything that happened, what would you consider as your greatest accomplishment? Well, you hinted at it. Um, 
part of the bridges and everything burned was uh, lying to my spouse and um, burning uh, that bridge of trust. And without, and in a marriage without trust, you have nothing. Um, you can't have love without honesty. And um, I, I lost my marriage, and it ended in divorce and separation from my children all throughout my incarceration. And uh, just as worthy as those who I had uh, stolen from uh, was her who I had betrayed. Um, and when I reached out to her, um, she was willing to meet with me. We met at a church. In fact, uh, everyone thought that was a really safe third place to meet. Um, and over uh, the time, uh, trust was renewed, uh, love was renewed, and in September of 2014, um, we were remarried, and our family is completely reunited, um, both sides, uh, that there is love when there was so much brokenness. So the absolute greatest accomplishment is not in business or finances or uh, being on your radio show, though that's a great one. It is, without a doubt... Um, the restoration of my family, um, the thing that I lost the greatest, and that was the most impossible when um, when setting on this journey. Yeah, I mean, wow, that 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 is another great story. That truly is a wonderful ending, may I say. Um, I bet you didn't think that when you first left prison. Absolutely impossible. I thought maybe, yeah, I'll get a job again. Maybe I could be a, a success. Maybe I could help people. But the never would ever happen was the restoration of my marriage. That, I thought, was impossible. Now, well, there you go. And speaking about your job, before I forget this, you do practice what you preach. Do you not go out and try to hire people? Absolutely. Um, we started an entire hiring program called Work Pittsburgh. Uh, which hires uh, individuals who may or may not be cut out or want to uh, start their own business, uh, but they want to learn a trade. And, and we seek them out, we find them, and do it in partnership with our resources at the United States Probation Office or, or others, and um, we're offering more hands up. So uh, Gino uh, offered me one. It transitioned into the being able to establish 068, and now uh, many are offering others. And uh, the awareness here... The impact uh, happening locally here in Pittsburgh, 068, um, we uh, are now beginning to spread the word because we, it's a model for any town who wants to surround those willing to, uh, to step up and, and not be defined by a failure. Right. And when you first start working with uh, people that were prisoners at one time, what... What is their, is that one of their biggest problems, I'm going to guess, is stigma and judgment toward them? Uh, I mean, it, it can be. Um, you know, sometimes, and I like to say, you know, everyone says everyone deserves a second chance, right? Um, some of the issues with this whole big picture, if you were to take a real macro look at the whole big picture, is a lot of the individuals who are incarcerated or being reentered, it's not a second chance. Their situations, what they came from, which eventually led to a conviction, were so horrific, so bad. You know, a whole other topic we can talk about when it comes to poverty, the poverty line, and so on, that they never really had a first chance. Okay, and um, yes, the stigma of having a felony is bad, but some 
lack because of lack of a first chance, the foundation in education and, and other things that are essential. So they have, you know, double edged sword against them. Um, and, and, which is why we've established our education curriculum, which we're building and launching in October with the first 50 students, um, because we had to recognize there's levels to this. And it's not, it's not a one thing fits all. And um, we're just doing as much as we can, as much as our resources are made available, as many people step up to the plate to help um, addressing categories um, uh, of this brokenness. But it's all about community. It's all about the support, positive atmosphere, and, and, and granting access and a platform for those who just often don't have a platform. And I don't care where uh, they come from. Uh, after a felony, they, they traditionally have lost, burned that platform. Wow. Wow, wow. Well, I want to say again, Daniel, all I could say to you is it's awesome what you're doing. So, well, thank you, know, you. You are definitely a courageous young man. And for our listeners, before you go, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um, this is said a lot by many people who are looking for hopeful things to say to one another and encourage when inside prison. And I believe it absolutely that the greater your fall is, the higher your bounce can be. And I will leave uh, anyone who's struggling with that helplessness that they may feel defined by any fall, any embarrassment, or any obstacle, uh, a physical disability, a mental disability, that this doesn't have to define you, that what society sees as a fall um, can actually be a platform and an opportunity for you to find strength. Surround yourself by positive people, those who will encourage you and support you, but do not hate and do not reflect poorly or uh, give an evil act for an evil act. Let those who aren't ready to believe in you or understand what your struggles are, um, just don't, don't let them uh, negatively influence the path you're on. It's a hero's journey for anybody um, today. Whether they have any of these social or disabilities, it's, it's a hero's journey to have a successful, positive life that gives back more than it takes. So I would encourage that. And great words from you, Daniel. Thank you again so much, first of all, for the courage, for what you're doing, for how you're giving back, and for being our guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Joyce, and thank you, everyone. who. Well, we end every show with a quote from someone that has impacted the world in some way. And the quote today, boy, is it fitting. And this is it. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts, said Winston Churchill. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.